Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. episode 17 of the banner banter podcast i am your host timmy g thanks for listening i am currently living in a dark fantasy because the celtics are playing far from gorgeous and they should be a power team in the east but they aren't playing like a monster and i am just so appalled by all of it i'm not going to run away from this team but someone has to start playing the blame game because everyone is just lost in this world right now and i don't know what to do i can't figure it out But this is episode 17 of the Banner Banter Podcast, your favorite Celtics podcast by your favorite Celtics season ticket holder, me, Timmy G. Find me, Instagram, Facebook, at Banner Banter Podcast, and on the Twitter machine, at Banner Banter 18. Celtics went 1-3 this week. I predicted they would go 4-0, hence the tone of my voice. I don't know what to do anymore. I can't figure it out. I'm confused, I'm sad, I'm baffled, it just, it's just not a good feeling right now to be a Boston Celtics fan, 20 games in, we're a quarter into the season, and this team is 500, 10 and 10, currently third place in the Atlantic Division, six and a half games behind the Raptors, three behind the 76ers, and currently tied for sixth with the Orlando freaking Magic in the Eastern Conference. For the playoffs. Right now, the Celtics would be the seventh seed playing the Milwaukee Bucks. <sighs> yeah. I, I honestly don't know what to say. But let me just get this out of my mouth. Stop talking about Anthony Davis. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen until the summer. Stop talking about it. Let me tell you why this isn't going to happen. It's because a little thing called the Rose Rule. And basically what it means is you can't trade for two players that sign their contract based on this rule while they're both under the contract, okay? If like LeBron James, you wanted to trade him? Sure, because he's already passed the Rose rule, okay? It is impossible for Anthony Davis to come to this team unless Kyrie Irving is traded or released or he re-signs on July 1st. That's the only way it, it can happen. And this is basically what happened. Derrick Rose won all NBA honors while he was on his rookie deal with the Chicago Bulls. And he was also selected to the All-Star Game by the fans. Players then in the CBA were going to be rewarded and would be... I'm trying to say this the right way so it's not too confusing for it. It would allow them to sign a maximum salary extension if they outperform certain parts of their contract. So, for example... 
in their rookie contract, if they said, hey, just make first team all rookie, but they made first team all NBA, or if they just said, hey, maybe be a bench player for the all-star team and they got voted in by the fans or hey win rookie of the year and they won mvp so it basically rewarded players for overperforming, you know because for example i think jalen brown's only making like seven and a half million dollars on his rookie deal but if jalen brown won mvp you look at it and you say well lebron james and kevin durant are getting paid over 28 over 35 million dollars they're clearly outperforming what they're getting paid for. So that is why this rule was created. And here's the other thing. If Kyrie doesn't re-sign, are you going to take the risk for Anthony Davis? Because, think of it this way, if everyone's saying Tice, a first-round pick, and first of all, which first-round pick? Your own, because right now, your record is worse than the Clippers, the Grizzlies, and the Kings. You have the best lottery pick, your own. I mean, not lottery pick, but because they're in the playoffs right now. You have the worst pick out of those four. It was supposed to be the Kings, and then it was supposed to be the Grizzlies, and then it was supposed to be the Clippers. That's basically what it was supposed to be. And now it's the complete opposite. So you're going to give up your own first-round pick, and then you're going to give up Terry, Jalen, and Tice, which is what a lot of people are saying. If Kyrie doesn't re-sign... And Terry Rozier is in the deal to get Anthony Davis on your team. Let's say Marcus Morris doesn't resign because Marcus Morris on a contract year is playing out of his mind. And one team is going to overpay him. So the Celtics can't sign him because the Celtics already have two max deals right now with Gordon Hayward and now Horford. Okay. So let's break this down. You trade Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Daniel Tice, and a first round pick for Anthony Davis. Kyrie goes to the Knicks, even though, they really don't need it the way that Trey Burke played the other night. But we'll get into that in a bit. So your lineup, your starting lineup, would be Brad Wanamaker, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, and Anthony Davis. Because Jalen's... Oh, I'm sorry. It would be Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Anthony Davis. Your bench would be Brad Wanamaker, Yabaselli, Robert Williams and then whichever rookies you draft. You more confident with that or more confident with this team that you got right now? I don't know. I would be more confident with this team that we got right now. I know they're 10-10. and 10. I know my attitude is just through the roof, and I'm sure you're all just going to listen to this entire thing with this type of attitude that I'm, that I'm firing away. But we can't come up with any trade predictions until Kyrie resigns because if Kyrie does resign and then you trade Terry and Jalen entice and a first round pick then your starting lineup would be Kyrie, gordon tatum horford anthony davis your bench would be marcus smart yebiselli brad wanamaker and robert williams and all the rookies that you have guys who know the program so just think of it that way stop talking about anthony davis until the season is over shut up about him if you want to talk about maybe if the Pelicans make a team, make a deal with another team, sure. And you want to bitch and moan about it, sure. But don't blame Danny Ainge for a CBA rule that was created a long, long time ago. Because right now, if not, we'd have bad hip Isaiah Thomas. And if you guys all want that, then, well, no thank you. All right, let's uh, recap these extremely frustrating games from this past week. The first is the Hornets game. Shout out to Kemba Walker. 
Kemba Walker is an amazing player and really either needs to A, leave the Hornets and jump on another team, or B, the Hornets need to bring him someone because he is an incredible talent and he owns real estate in Brad Stevens' mind. If you guys remember, after Duke beat Butler in the NCAA Finals, the year after, Kemba Walker then beat Brad Stevens and Butler in the NCAA Finals. And then Kemba goes out and drops 40-plus, 40-plus points on Brad Stevens once again. And the Celtics blow a 10-point lead with nine minutes to go. They go 4-15 after that and lose the game. I don't understand why the Celtics team just can't step on a team's throat and put them away, like they did with the Bulls a couple weeks ago. But that was at home, and the Bulls suck. Right now, the Hornets are a playoff team. They're not a very good playoff team. They're currently the eighth seed. But you just lost to a team that's worse than you. A team that you should beat. The Celtics couldn't get to the free throw line. And this is going to be a theme, okay? This is going to be a theme in this, pro- in this podcast. The Boston Celtics cannot get to the free throw line. And it needs to change. There's no energy out there. There's no attack mentality. And it's driving me absolutely bananas. The Celtics are one of three teams in the NBA where a player hasn't taken 10 or more free throws in a game. Think about that. There are 32 teams in the NBA. That means 29 other teams have had someone go to the free throw line 10 times at least once. The Brooklyn Nets, the Atlanta Hawks, the Phoenix Suns, the Dallas Mavericks. Name any team. The Orlando Orlando Magic is actually one of the teams that hasn't either. But think about that. Not one player on the Celtics team this year has gone to the free throw line 10 times in one game. James Harden does that like in his sleep. And the Celtics can't do it. It's insanity to me. So guess what they did instead? They just jacked up a whole bunch of three-pointers and it didn't work for them. It didn't work for them. And it's absolutely unbelievable. Now, I think this game, we could say that it was the defense fault. The defense's fault in this game. No one could defend Kemba Walker. You know, earlier in the game, there was a part where Marcus Smart was yelling at some of his guys saying, don't switch. I'm going to fight through the screens and guard Kemba. And I haven't been bashing Marcus Smart a lot this year because you could argue that he's probably one of the top three or four players on the Celtics this year. Not overall. Okay, don't get all jacked up on Mountain Dew. But this year, you'd have to go Marcus Morris, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. Those are your top four players right now. And that's sad because Marcus Morris really isn't that great. But he's good now. And so we have to do it. But he got torched all game by Kemba Walker, especially in the fourth quarter. He's the reason why Kemba dropped 40 points. And he's our best defender. Think about that, folks. He is our best defender, and Kemba dropped 40. The defense is in shambles, and the team is known for its defense. You know, we could say that the Celtics statistically are a top three defense in the league, and you look at some of the scores over the NBA this weekend, I think the Spurs and Bucks game was like, the final score was like 145 to 138. The Celtics don't allow those type of points, but they also can't score those type of points either. And it's because they're not attacking the basket. It's like they're afraid to get hit. 
the amount of times that people have passed out of a wide open jump shot from the free throw line or maybe three or four feet outside the paint for a open three or a contested three. If if I got a nickel every single time, I would be a gazillionaire. I could probably own the Celtics. That's how many times it happened. Now, the worst part about the Hornets game afterwards is the next morning, Terry Rozier, who's just been a <laughs> literally all season, just sure he had the nice game in Utah where he started for Kyrie and scored 22 points, and maybe he needs more opportunity and more playing time, blah, 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 blah. But t- Terry Rozier once again scares the living daylights out of everyone in Celtics Nation. Ew, I can't believe I just said Celtics Nation. I am I'm really sorry about that. Oh, my God. Celtics Nation. Scared Celtics fans across all nations saying, Let a, let's do all of us a favor. Interesting. What does that mean? Does he want Gordon Hayward out? Does he want Brad Stevens out? Does he want himself out? Next day he talks to the media, just says he has a life outside of basketball, and he loves being here, and he loves being part of this team. So why are you putting out your life drama on Twitter? Stop. Don't do that. Nope. Make a, you know, make a burner account and do that. Come on, Terry. I mean, it, it doesn't help that you're possibly getting sued for by the uh, Scream mask people. Oh, man, I can't even talk. I'm just so frustrated with the Celtics team. Yeah, but Terry Rogier is getting sued by the creators of the people who made the Scream mask um, for like 180k. So Terry better start playing well if he wants to make sure he gets that money when he's a free agent soon so, so he can pay that lawsuit. But it's kind of our own fault for falling for the Scary Terry thing too. But anyways, I think the most embarrassing performance of the entire week for the Boston Celtics was against the New York Knicks. Yep, the New York Knicks. They they come out in their brand new Nike City Edition jerseys. They're nice. I, I, I actually like them. I really like the shorts. I like how there's two shamrocks on the back of them. But the Celtics scored 18 points in the first quarter. 18 points against a team who has four wins. Well, now they have six wins because they also won tonight as well. They lost to the New York Knicks. They were down 16 in the first half. And I'm not going to lie, they fought back. They finally was like, all right, guys, come on, let's let's snap out of this. They got it down to four and then lost by eight. But it, you got stuff like this. Kyrie, nine for 25. He shot 36%. Tatum, 33%. For, 33%. Marcus Smart, 25%. The team went 10 of, tw- 10 of 33 from three. The defense didn't exist because Trey Burke was playing like he was at Michigan again. In 31 minutes of play, Trey Burke had 29 points, 11 assists, and he was 4 of 6 from 3. And he kept doing the same exact move over and over again. They'd run a pick and roll with Von Lay. Von, Al Horford would switch onto Trey Burke. Trey Burke would take a couple dribbles and then take a slow and long step back. Like, literally drag his foot. Not like Harden does. Harden's step back is ridiculous. But... He would just drag his feet, kind of push off a little bit. Horford would fall for it, and he'd hit it. It was unbelievable. He kept doing it over and over and over again. And here's the thing. When the Celtics play defense, they're really good. The Celtics are currently, well, after this Knicks game, they were 2-7 and seven when they allow their opponents to shoot over 44% from the field. 2-7. and seven. So all they have to do is play defense, fly it, open shots that the other teams are taking contested jumpers make it hard put your hands straight up 
easy fundamentals type stuff and they can't do it. They can't do it. Now, after this game, Greeny from Barstool Sports tweeted out this fascinating statistic about the Celtics and wide open shots. And I'm starting to think that there are three reasons why the Celtics suck right now. Number one, it's their defense. No one is afraid to go up against the Celtics anymore because they know they can score because someone will go off on them, whether it's Trey Burke, J.J. Barea the other night against the Mavs, Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, you name, Kemba Walker, you name it, someone goes off against this team. So no one fears this team anymore. So that's number one, defense. Number two is open shots. And number three, I don't think everyone's on the same page. I understand that this is a close group, but until everyone gets on the same page, I I think this is going to be a big problem. I really do. The first two can catch up to themselves and work out fine. But number three, that one scares me. And here's the, and here's the, the statistic that Barstool Greeny tweeted out. Marcus Morris, Kyrie, and Marcus Smart are all up this year when shooting wide open jump shots. Marcus Smart is up 12%. Marcus Morris is up 17%. And Kyrie is up 8% from last year. So whenever Marcus Morris has a wide open shot, according to NBA statistics, he is shooting 17% better than he did last year. Marcus Morris, I mean, Marcus Smart is shooting 12% better. So technically, are the Celtics bad, bad right now because Marcus Smart is hitting his shots? Like, hand on the forehead, eye roll. Like, do you think that's possible? It can't be possible, can it? No. And here's why. Jalen Brown is down 26 percent he was shooting 43 percent last year wide open shots this year 17 percent bruh like are you for real that's unbelievable tatum down seven percent that kind of makes sense with his kobe dribble 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 step back jumper miss and horford's down six percent rogier is only down one percent so, I mean, that's not like a huge thing. And obviously, Gordon didn't play last year, so we can't give him his stats. But Jalen Brown <laughs> is down 26%. And Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris combined are up 29 So two players are up 29%. One player is down 26%. Absolutely unbelievable. All right, let's take a little break from these, talking about these two games, and talk about... Kyrie Irving had a very bizarre week leading up to the Hawks game. He really did. I mean, first off, after the Knicks game, a reporter asked him about Thanksgiving, and he basically said, fuck Thanksgiving. No joke. He literally said that. Fuck Thanksgiving. And then he also said, what other teams expect from us right now don't mean shit. As in, people are expecting the Celtics to be good, and they're not. And that doesn't mean anything to him, which is, a, I feel like, a good mentality to have. But you could also look at it in a different way, like teams are now coming in going, oh, it's just the Celtics. This is going to be a cakewalk. And that shouldn't bother the Celtics either. That should fire them up, like get them going. And then he also said that he wants to retire in his early 30s and not play for as long as Vince Carter. Because Vince Carter is currently playing for the Hawks. I feel like Vince Carter has literally played for every single NBA team in the last five years. 
and he just wants to retire when he's in his mid thirties. So if Kyrie, I think Kyrie's 26 right now, it will be 27 soon. If he signs this last deal, like with the Celtics, like this five-year extension, when it's over, is he done? He'll be 32, 33. He could be done. That's weird to think about. Do the Celtics want to do that? Or is Kyrie just being Kyrie and just talking weird and annoying all of us? I don't know. Then, after all that, Kyrie, someone found this Kyrie workout video. And he literally, before he, like, works out, like, does the Michael Jackson smooth criminal dance. And I've I watched the video a thousand times. I kind of don't believe it. I'm looking for the invisible string, but he, like, leans forward. You know, Annie, you okay? You okay? You okay, Annie? I'm really sorry. I just sang Michael Jackson. But he literally leaned forward, just like Michael Jackson did in the smooth criminal video. And then he leaned to the left, too. And then after that, he was standing on two basketballs, not flat, full of air basketballs, dribbling. His balance is unbelievable. It was just like, oh, Kyrie, shut up with your stupid comments. Wow. Look at Kyrie. That's really, really cool. And then after that, Kyrie came out with this video of him and his dad playing one-on-one, explaining why he wears number 11. And uh, for someone who used to play one-on-one with his father all the time, back on Stephen Street in Chelmsford, tear jerker. I was I was weeping a little bit. I had that someone was definitely cutting onions when I was watching that. That was that was a great 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 commercial by Nike and Kyrie Irving and his dad. So, because of that, we're going to do a little bit of a different banner banter investigation this week. So, let's go. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special banner banter investigation, Celtics unit report. Alright, this week's Banner Banter Investigation is on Deidrick Irving. Yes, Kyrie Irving's dad. Because even though Kyrie Irving's dad never played for the Celtics, he was actually asked to try out to play for the Boston Celtics in 1992. He basically was asked to a free agent camp but didn't get the spot. And then, after that, Brett Brown, current coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, was coaching in Australia, and he was coaching the Boleyn Boomers. I Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. The Boleyn, that's what it, B-U-L-L-E-E-N. Yeah, Boleyn Boomers, down in Australia. He went there, played for three years, and he averaged 30 points a game for them. But then he had to leave because Kyrie's mom... His wife, Elizabeth, got sick and died a few years later in 1996. Kyrie was only four years old at the time, so Deirdrick had to take care of not only Kyrie, but Kyrie's sister, Asia, who is currently a model. So that just shows the type of guy that Deirdrick Irving is. And he has raised a very smart son, a hell of a basketball player of a son. And that's what made that commercial so special. And another cool reason why... Kyrie wears number 11 is because that is what Deirdrick Irving wore when he was playing at Boston University. So Deirdrick Irving knows this area very, very well. He spent all four years in college at Boston University. He graduated with an economics degree. So the guy has to be smart. I mean, economics is no joke. I mean, at least to me, 
I mean, he played four years there. He barely played his freshman year. And then his last three years, he was an all NAC selection, which is the North North Athletic Conference. And he averaged 18 points a game his sophomore year. His junior year, he also averaged 18 points. And then his senior year, he averaged 20 points. He didn't like to pass the ball sometimes, kind of like his son from time to time because his son thinks he has to do it all when there's ever five minutes remaining in the game. And he only averaged two assists a game. Hmm, interesting. Kyrie doesn't like to pass that much. I know Kyrie's had like double-digit assists in like three of the last five games for the Celtics, but there are some times where Kyrie tries to do too much, and please don't argue with me on that. He he dribbles way too much sometimes and tries to create things that aren't there. But Deirdrick actually led Boston University to a conference championship in 1988 to win the North Atlantic Conference. So I think that's really cool. So that's your banner banter investigation this week on a guy who almost made the Boston Celtics team, Deirdrick Irving. And if you guys haven't checked out the Deirdrick Irving and Kyrie Irving one-on-one video of the two of them playing at the Garden, Kyrie's Instagram, Kyrie's Twitter, or Nike Basketball Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, they have the video. All right, let's bring a little positivity to uh, this podcast, shall we? The, The Boston Celtics won a game. They actually did win a game on Friday night against the Atlanta Hawks, who only have four wins, you know, just like the New York Knicks did. But, Tim, stay positive here. Don't go back to the Knicks game. Okay, okay. Al Horford did not play this game. And for anyone who thinks that Al Al Horford is the reason why the Celtics won this game, because he wasn't on the floor, you can just shut up and stop. Thanks. The Celtics did exactly what they were supposed to do in this game. The defensive effort was there. They forced the Hawks into a lot of bad shots. And guess what? The Hawks shot less than 44% as a team. And now the Celtics are 8-2 and two when they do that. Hmm. Do, you, do you see this little pattern here, folks? If the Celtics buckle down on defense and give some effort, they are going to win basketball games. They're 8-10. And yes, I know it's the Hawks. I, I get it. But they're 8-2 and two when they play defense. It's fascinating. And I really thought Brad did a great job with the minutes because it was the first night of a back-to-back. Kyrie played less than 20 minutes, and all the other starters played less than 25. And the person who went in for Al Horford to start, stand by your man Marcus Morris. So shout out to him. Terry Rozier was the only other guy who was the only guy who played more than 25 minutes. And Terry actually had a pretty good game. He he really needs to take the corner now. Okay, like he's played like crap. Marcus has kind of stepped up a little bit. Marcus is gonna go cold. I can feel it. And if I just jinxed him, I'm really sorry. But we I think we can all agree that Marcus Smart wasn't going to continue to shoot the ball as well as he has. And Terry Rogier needs to make up for that. And now is the time. Okay. I understand that he's playing three less minutes a game. That doesn't mean he should be shooting 36% from the field and 35% from three. Both of those need to go up, especially his field goal percentage overall. That needs to be upper 40s. And Sorry, not upper 40s, up to the 40s, like 41 42%. Terry can do that. And Terry needs to get to the free throw line too. Now, the craziest part about this Hawks game was that Aaron Baines was your leading scorer. He, was, he literally had a perfect type game that you expect from your starting NBA center not named Andre Drummond, Joel Embiid, or Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, obviously, those are not in order, but those guys put up big, big numbers. But Aaron Baines, 
16 and 9. And Aaron Baines, once again, was the anchor on defense. Aaron Baines is very important to this basketball team. If you look at all of the best lineups that the Celtics had last year, like if you go to the NBA.com stats website and you can actually look up like best lineups that like the Celtics have, you can actually see like how many minutes they played together, what their offensive efficiency was, their defensive efficiency, their net rating, all this stuff. And Aaron Baines is on a lot of those lists. So I understand why Aaron Baines is now starting over Gordon Hayward now. It makes a lot of sense. Sure, should it happen every game because, you know, not every team has these huge centers that are, you know, going to dominate. You know, like, obviously, the Mavs the other night, you got DeAndre Jordan. Do you put Al Horford in or do you put Aaron Baines in? It could go either way, especially with Dennis Smith Jr. not playing for the Mavs. So you got to kind of switch up the offense a little or the defense a little bit because now with Wesley Matthews going back, that's now a bigger guy. So... Sure, Brad has a lot of things to figure out, but Aaron Baines is very important to this basketball team. I understand his three-point shooting wasn't as good or isn't as good as it has been in the playoffs, but as long as he's like wide open, shoot away. But it's not like he's taking contested three-pointers, okay? So think of it that way. (sighs) The Mavs game. What a friggin' joke. The Mavs are okay. Okay, I mean, DeAndre Jordan, he's legit. Luka Doncic is awesome. He's really good. And I enjoyed watching him play against the Celtics. Like, he's good. He's a tough kid. In, like, two or three years, that kid's going to be so good. Like, I don't know who plays slower, him or Paul Pierce, but either way, they're great to watch. And Luka Doncic is going to be a great, great player in the NBA. Now, the Celtics were down 12 in the second quarter. And they didn't really look that great, but they fought their way back in the third and tied it up in the third. And you're like, okay, moment, excuse me, I burped again. God damn it. I'm not really doing this on purpose, folks. I'm really not. I'm trying my best not to burp. But anyways, they fought back into the third, tied it up. You you felt good. You really felt good. And then they only made two three-pointers in the second half. Two three-pointers in the second half. They made eight in the first half. They made eight friggin' threes in the first half and two in the second half. I'm literally clenching my fist right now. I'm so angry. The Celtics, what did I mention in the the Hornets game like 15 minutes ago? Free throws. The Celtics, as a team, took 13 free throws in an NBA game. 13. Think about that. That's terrible. And Marcus Smart shot six of them. And the Celtics had nine guys playing. So that means the other eight guys shot a total of seven free throws. That is less than one per person. And I was complaining earlier that one guy hasn't shot more than 10 all year in a game. I'm speechless. I don't get it. I don't get it. The Celtics took their first free throw in the second quarter at the 631 mark. That basically means the Celtics didn't take a free throw for 18 straight minutes. It's the NBA. Like, what? I don't get it. I don't. Uh. And then, to if you don't even 
want to talk about the free throw things, if you guys want to bash Terry Rozier, let's do it. Because J.J. Beretta, <laughs> Beretta, J.J. Berea made Terry Rozier his little bitch. I'm not even kidding. And I, excuse me for the language. But Terry Rozier went one for six from the field and was so bad on defense, J.J. Berea, a Northeastern University alum, decided to score 20 points. He averages 10 a game. And he scored 20 points. J.J. Barea is my height plus 20 pounds and more athletic. But this J.J. Barea isn't like Kemba Walker or Jamal Murray or Devin Booker or Trey Burke. J.J. Barea was very important when the Mavericks won their championships a few years back. Respect. But J.J. Barea back then versus J.J. Barea now is not the same person. And Terry Rozier could not keep up with him. And Terry Rozier's pick-and-roll defense makes me want to stop doing this podcast and scream and jump off a roof. It's terrible. It's piss poor. Thank God I got my my blocker because it is piss poor. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That Mavs game literally drove me over the edge because it has gone from being... Frustrated, being bummed, to now being like angry and very concerned. Very, very concerned. And the fact that the Celtics tried to rely on Iso Kyrie so much in the fourth quarter, it it needs to change. And you guys know that I'm mildly obsessed with Brad Stevens, but like this isn't all on the players, guys. This is on Brad Stevens a little bit too, and it it needs to change. And it needs to change, like, real, real soon. It really does. And is that going to be on Brad Stevens? Or is that going to be on the players? Because if Jalen Brown is getting shots that are wide open, that are being created by Brad Stevens, and he's shooting 26% less, sure, that's on Jalen Brown. But Brad clearly needs to change some things, not only offensively, but defensively, to get this team back to what it was. Make sure that when the Boston Celtics show up to an arena, whether it's TD Garden or some other arena, that teams are like, ugh, this is going to be such a hard game because they play so hard and so tough and they give so much effort. That's the Boston Celtics this team needs back. And speaking of back, Jalen Brown took a very tough fall late in that game and had to go back to the locker room. And the x-rays came out negative, which were good, but... He's probably going to be doubtful for the game tonight against the Pelicans. (sighs) So, what does Brad do then? Who's now in the starting lineup? Is it going to be Kyrie, Tatum, Morris, Horford, and Baines? Because that's a big starting lineup. It'll be interesting. It'll be very, very interesting to see what he does. and see, See how he goes. But this team needs to get their act together. It needs to get their, their act together real quick. I just want this team to be like 20, like if they could be like 20 and 13 by the end of December, I think they play 13 games in December, but let's say it's 14. If they can just be like eight or nine games above 500 by the end of December, then they go into that crazy month of January where they play, I think 12 home games, maybe 11 home games. That's what they need. So if they can think of it this way, if they can be 
let's say they have 14 games in December, which I'm pretty sure that's what it is, okay? And they go 11 and 3. Okay? So now they're 21 and 13. And then they have 16 games in January. 12 of them are at home. And let's say they go 12 and 4, okay? They are now 33 and 17. That's a huge difference. That's a, right now they're 10 and 10, so that means they can literally go 23 and 6. It's possible. But they this team can do it. I just don't know how they're going to do it. I really don't. But it can start next week. Next week, starting tonight, the Pelicans. Anthony Davis hasn't played the last couple of games, I believe, to a hip issue. So if Anthony Davis doesn't play, all you got to do is stop stop Etwan Moore, former Boston Celtics player, or Julius Randle, who had a triple-double the other night. The Celtics, I mean... I know Drew Holiday is really good, but I'm Drew Holiday defensively. You know, Kyrie can wear him out. Gordon, Marcus Morris, Jason Tatum, he can he can be worn out, which will affect his game offensively. But if Anthony Davis is there, the Celtics could lose this one because Anthony Davis is a once in a lifetime type player. So, as much as I don't want to see guys hurt, I mean, if Anthony Davis doesn't play, that's okay. And then hopefully the Celtics can pull out a, another win on the road. Then the Celtics get three days off. Three days off. And they play the Cleveland Cavaliers. Who suck? God, the, if the Celtics lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers, run. Just like run. Like run the hell out of Dodge. Get out of there. They did beat the Philadelphia 76ers this past Friday night. But on the road, the... Oh, boy. The Cavs cannot come into this building and beat them. J.R. Smith's no longer playing for them. I understand Tristan Thompson will probably own Al Horford like he always does, but Colin Sexton can't go off. Osman can't go, or Casman, whatever his name is, can't go off. The Celtics should beat the Cavs. I don't say that confidently because of the way that they're playing lately, but they better. <laughs> they better. And then the Celtics have another back-to-back, and they fly to Minnesota to play the T-Wolves, and the T-Wolves are either 4-2 and two or 5-2 and two since they traded Jimmy Butler. So the T-Wolves are a pretty good team. They're, they're not bad. Andrew Wiggins, good. Carl Anthony Towns is going to get him. And Derrick Rose is playing like the Rose rule Derrick Rose that he is. You know, he's, he's playing out of his mind. I mean, he scored 50 points a couple weeks ago. So just keep that in mind. The Celtics only have three games this upcoming week. Um, I think I'm done with predictions because I said four and zero last week, and they went one and three. So no predictions for me. But man, they better, they better have a winning record this week. Oh boy, yep. Anyways, uh, let's do this because we haven't done it yet. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. All right, this week's Celtic stud and dud of the week. Your stud is Marcus Morris. Stand by your man, Marcus Morris. He's the only good thing you got going 20 games in. Kyrie's all over the place. Marcus Smart's been okay. Gordon's been up and down. I mean, we can go on and on, but Marcus Morris, stand by your man. Just continuing, continuously giving the Celtics 
15 plus points a night. You can rely on his defense. You can rely on his offense. You can rely on his rebounding. You can rely on him not passing anyone and him taking a contested jumper. So it's an easy pick this week because no one really played great. No one really like stuck out this week. Like Jalen Brown in the Mavs game was great. He was back to his Eastern Conference Jalen Brown days, getting the ball, putting his head down, attacking the basket, and he was great. Taking only wide open shots, like wide, wide open, if not attacking, all about it. But he didn't do it all week, but Marcus Morris did. So Marcus Morris is your stud this week, and your dub this week is Kyle Draper. Kyle Draper covered for Mike Gorman in the Hawks and the Cavs game on the TV broadcast on NBC Sports Boston, and I don't like Kyle Draper. I think Kyle Draper is your perfect sideline reporter. I don't want to see Abby Chin go anywhere. I think Abby Chin is better. But while Abby Chin was pregnant last year or two years ago, I thought Kyle Draper did a great job sideline reporting. Kyle Draper trying to be Mike Gorman sucks. He's terrible. Get his microphone away. He's trying to be too cool. He's trying to be like Gus Johnson, like completely overreacting and going nuts and like untying his tie and saying that he was grinding out here. No, you weren't, dude. And then I'm glad like Scal called him. I don't even think Scal likes Kyle Draper. I really don't. Because I don't. Kyle Draper needs to go. I, I I mean, to be honest with you, I miss Gary Tangway before the Celtics pregame show. Because Gary Tangway was super negative and kind of got you like fired up because the Celtics did something good. You'd be like, ha, suck at Tangway. But now Kyle Draper is more of a is borderline green teamer with Tommy Heinsohn. I'm I'm serious. Like the Celtics can do no wrong. And I and I understand that like that's his job, but it's a joke. It's a flat-out joke. So Kyle Draper, dud this week. I need Mike Gorman back in my life. All right, folks, that's it for Banner 17. Oh, Banner 17. Well, it is episode 17, and the last championship the Celtics won was Banner 17. So this is episode 17 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. I'm only a couple listens away from 2,000 listens, so thank you guys so much. I hope everyone had an amazing Thanksgiving, a horrendous Black Friday, and I hope you can enjoy your Cyber Monday. Or if you're listening to this past Cyber Monday, I hope it went swimmingly for you. Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, etc., etc., that's where you can listen to this podcast. Please let your coworkers, family, strangers, anyone know. Let them know, please. I, I I don't rant like this just for no reason. Well, it's probably best for me. To, it makes me feel better. But just just spread the word, will you? Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And then on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. That's it. Go Celtics. I'm really sorry I said Celtics Nation earlier. What a loser I am for that. Have a great week, everyone. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.